0: It's a trap.
1: It's a trap.
0: Hello and welcome to Radio TCX. Your weekly source for X-Wing news and strategy. I'm Tim Dugan and I'm joined as always by my co-host, John McDermott. Hey everybody, it's a great day to talk about X-Wing. And we are back with another entry in our Essential Starfighters series with a ship that is very near and dear to John and I's heart.
1: Yeah, I like the ship a lot. Uh, I flew four of them at Gen Con, so that's a hint to anyone that <laughs> doesn't know what we're talking about.
0: I mean, it's not quite five TIE Reapers, but four ARC-170s is pretty good.
1: Yeah, if they're big and I can get multiple of them, I guess, is that my thing? I don't that's know. I
0: guess that's your thing. Keep it simple. You're a very straightforward person, John. You don't really uh, keep any secrets, I feel like. So, just the most direct route to victory. (laughs) I'm not a creative either. Uh, Yeah, so this week we're going to be talking about the Republic ARC-170. As we know, this uh, ship appears in two factions right now. Um, But we're going to be talking about specifically the Republic version because they are actually very distinct in a lot of ways, and this is the one we actually are most passionate about. So, we're going to go over uh, the ship type and talk about what makes the ARC-170 such an interesting heavy fighter. Let's get into it. So this series has been a fun exploration so far of um, looking at the different ship types and then looking at the specific examples and really getting into the nitty gritty. We've kind of jumped back and forth for me between ships that I am very passionate about and then ships that I have to spend a little bit more time researching, kind of doing the analysis thing. This one I'm very comfortable with, because when they launched the Republic faction, like, I just, like, I've loved this ship. I love the ship design ever since I saw it in Revenge of the Sith. And the fact that it played on the table in a way that really connected to that movie, I felt like, um, made this actually probably one of my favorite X-Wing ship designs.
1: Yeah, and it was the Republic faction's first medium-based ship um, and it, it brought a lot of diversity to that faction at that point. You know, We had a lot of small base stuff kind of flying around, maybe shooting some missiles with the torrent fighters. Uh, sorry if you ever flew one of those. <laughs> um, but the arc brought a lot to the faction in a lot of good ways and is still a really powerful piece that still sees a lot of play. And while I think the uh, torrents are kind of a
0: necessary evil that the faction has to deal with uh, in their list building, uh, the Ark 170 is a lot of fun and it serves a really great purpose Um, it is a heavy fighter so I guess what we always do when we're talking about our uh, essential starfighters is we like to go back to the roots here and just give a quick summary of what the ships type the heavy fighter what that means generally and then we can look at how it applies to the ship uh, specifically if you're interested in our full episode on that you can check out Radio TCX episode 209 where we do a whole breakdown of the heavy fighter but we will give you the summary here so we you, you know what we're talking about
1: yeah, so right off the bat, the Heavy Fighter, it's a pretty survivable ship. Um, compared to some other ship types, they have pretty moderate survivability. Generally, 6 to 8 hit points average, and that's a mix of hull and shields. Um, you see kind of on the fringe ends of that, maybe as low as 5 or as high as 10, if you're looking at the G1A. Uh, the Arc itself comes in at 9, 3 shields, 6 hull. Um, and they have decent defense. Uh, you see 2 green dice a lot on these guys. Uh, Maybe sometimes three more often than not one, Um, but that scales kind of with that HP value. You know, they have the higher hit points, so fewer green dice. Right, and that's an interesting balance point, and
0: we see it here on the ARC-172, where when they do tend to have a lot of hit points, they tend to have the lower agility value. And that balances out okay. That obviously has some gameplay impact in um, when these ships are the most relevant and when they're the most effective, you also see across all heavy fighters, since they do represent a moderate investment, typically they have pretty consistent firepower. So most heavy fighters you're going to see are going to have at least three attack dice, and they're also going to have decent ways to modify that. You see target locks on most every heavy fighter, um, and they're going to be kind of the consistent force for firepower. Compared to like light fighters, where oftentimes their offensive power comes in them coming in mass and combining with other shots, usually a, a heavy fighter on its own has
1: pretty decent, reliable uh, output. And the nice thing about having higher attack dice like that too is they're they're focusing on their primary weapons. Uh, many heavy fighters do have the option to take secondary weapons, but they're not relying on those to get consistent damage output. Right, and that makes setup a little bit easier because a lot of
0: times it's just pointing your arc somewhere and having a focus token or maybe taking a target lock. Um, And that leaves them uh, a little more open in their attack options, too, where if you're depending on a secondary weapon that maybe requires a lock, um, that's going to mean you only have one target to shoot at, where you can take a lot more attacks of opportunity if you're just relying mostly on a focus token, uh, especially for the arc 170, which uh,
1: when we talk about that rear arc, that changes the game a lot. These heavy fighters are generally pretty versatile, too, on the table. You can take multiple of them and fly them in a group or formation, or you can just take one and fly it by itself, and either way is a completely valid use of the heavy fighter.
0: Right, and I think that lends itself a lot to how effective they are across the game, because um, generally a heavy fighter is a fairly well-balanced fighter, which means you usually have a pretty good chance with it early game, where it's going to be pretty strong and have good, reliable offense. And then at the end game, because it's so balanced, it usually has you know the moderate hit point total and the moderate defense dice. Um, it's also going to be okay at the end game, too. So um, they're maybe not the best on either end of the spectrum, but there's value to be had on either end where this ship is pretty reliable that you can use. It's kind of a toolbox ship ship, um, built in, right? Because it can be used either way, where, you know, a bunch of ARC-170s, right? At the start of the game, that's a lot of firepower. Or one at the end, you might just outlive your opponent because you survive long enough to shoot enough.
1: Yeah, and, you know, like you said, they do well kind of in the early and end games too. They can struggle in the mid-game a little bit just because they're not the most mobile ships, especially the medium-base heavy fighter options. You know they probably generally have somewhat slower dials and maybe only one or two uh, red turnaround options in the form of a K turn or perhaps a Talon roll. Not a ton of blues either, so you're kind of taking your time getting around. Uh, maybe your wide turns are white, so it's going to take you a little bit to keep your arc on stuff.
0: All right, let's get though into the specifics of the Arc One Hundred and Seventy. Um, and this ship, I we love it, and I think one of the absolute standout features because you don't see it. A whole ton in X Wing is having that rear attack arc.
1: Yeah, and that rear attack arc helps with their, you know, kind of mid game mobility issues because, oh, look, you're behind me now, but I'm just going to keep shooting you while I fly forward. So you take your time getting around and I'll have shots wherever you go.
0: Right, and it, it like is a big part of the dial compensation there, too, where if you were really just depending on their like two white hard turns to flip around and you only had a forward attack arc, um, this ship would not be anywhere near as effective as it is because that takes a long time, especially without a native boost action or anything. Um, having the rear arc changes everything because suddenly that does open up your dial in so many interesting ways, not just for the sake of turning around to get that forward gun back on your opponent or to get any gun on them, but also in that, when you're doing a typical approach with a heavy fighter that's got a fixed forward arc and nothing else, um, a lot of your maneuvering is going to be limited in that you really have to decide on a maneuver that sets that forward arc in a way that you can get an attack, and that opens up a lot of opportunities for your opponent to arc dodge because they know generally where you're going to land. Having the rear arc and flying the ship, I've found that um, being able to threaten both a one forward for the front arc and then like a three bank red barrel roll um, are that's wildly different end positions, even for a medium
1: base. The nice thing about the Arc 2 is it's, it's balanced in that it has just a two attack rear value as well. So, I mean, if you see like the fire spray has three out the front and the back, it's nice having three out the front, two out the back here, because then you're not consistently being overwhelmed by the sheer firepower of this ship. So, you know, it gives it a little bit of an edge out the front, um, still get out the back as well, but, you know, just a little less so. Well, and you
0: have to have that balance point because if it was, you know, classed in that fire spray class, it would have to, by necessity, even going up one attack die on the rear arc probably cost dramatically more. Um, I like that we can get the value here. And the funny thing is, is that with the rear attack arc and the way you can threaten it and get into range one shots out the rear, you still get your range one bonus. So a lot of times, you know, if you're choosing between a range two or three shot out the front, you might also have the option of just a range one shot out the rear, which would be the same amount of attack dice, right? right there is another point where it's it's a benefit in some ways and it's a detriment in others is having that medium base which is a less common base size we see in x-wing obviously the negative part is that because you take up uh, more physical space on the board that means if your opponent's running multiple ships there's a greater likelihood that you'll fall into their arcs right there's a higher frequency that you'll just get shot at which means you'll take more damage especially with
1: one agility die. Right, and they do, I mean, like we said, they do have that moderate survivability, so with the three shields these guys have, plus the six hull, you know, they're going to be able to tank a couple shots regardless, but they they can take damage pretty quick. There are some
0: perks, though, to having that medium base. Um, I mean, an obvious one is that your, your firing arcs are wider, so you actually have a little bit more area you cover with your forward and rear attack arcs. And the fact that you have a forward and rear attack arc means you're covering even more space. Um, there's also the benefit that um, these ships actually work as a pretty good blocker. You know, a lot of times I find you don't want to be using your heavy fighter-type ships to block just because you've invested a little bit more than you would with, like, a light fighter where taking the time to spend the action economy to disrupt your opponent means you're probably not getting offensive modification and you might be putting yourself out of position. The fact that, again, you have that rear arc means if you do go for a block, like I said before, the uh, three bank and red barrel roll, you still might be lining up a shot out that rear arc, which means you're not you know, fully wasting your action economy there just trying to disrupt your opponent. Kill
1: two birds with one stone. And obviously, like, stress isn't good. No one really ever wants to be stressed in this game unless you have an ability that makes that good. But, like, that red barrel roll on these guys is actually really valuable. And I I found that I used it a ton when I was flying the four arc list. I mean, for any ship I've flown that has a red barrel roll, I've used it on the
0: arc 170 more than any of them. And there's good reason for that, right? Like, the rear attack arc makes that
1: action better, even though it's already kind of a tough action. We were talking about versatility before, too, as an aspect of the heavy fighter, and the ARC-170 here, just based on its loadout options, is definitely in that category. It's got pretty easy access to the crew and gunner slots, and also the astromech slot, and there are a ton of good options, both in the form of generic crew and droids and whatever, and also in Republic faction-specific upgrades that you could put on these ARC-170s.
0: Yeah, and this is, I mean, we already have the ARC-170 as a uh, ship that's on the fringes of heavy fighters, given its really high hit point total and its base size. Um, But this also then, we start to bleed over into some other ship types almost. So it has, it can be, you know, function pseudo as a, a utility ship. Um, by taking certain crew and gunner cards to support other ships in your list. So suddenly this thing can become a support platform um, in a way that you wouldn't expect a heavy fighter to do that. You know, you can throw force carriers on here who can share their abilities with other ships. You can throw cool astromechs on there. I mean, and it's also a funny platform for, like, regen astromechs, right? Where, since these ships have such low agility, an R2 astromech only costs four points right now. Um, and they have three, three shields. So, like, they could get those back, you know, feasibly in a game. Sure. All right, so now we get down to the pilot options for the ARC-170, and there's not a lot of them. Um, I feel like this is one of those expansions that really would benefit from like a pilot and upgrade pack, where it would be cool to see a few more clone pilots, because they basically can do whatever they want and make up a new clone name, right? So you could do an infinite number of pilots
1: for this ship yeah, and we we were talking about that. like, and that's cool as long as it doesn't become like game busting. like just to have some made up clone that doesn't even appear anywhere like in lore and it just has this ability that's completely dominating the meta game. Like thematically, to me, that doesn't seem that fun. But I mean, it's certainly an option
0: you're right. I want the recognizable Star Wars characters to be the prevalent ones. Uh, I feel like this is a ship though, where it makes sense to start on the low end because we really do love the generics here.
1: Yeah, the generic options for the ARC-170 are very powerful pieces. At the very, very bottom end at Initiative 2 is the 104th Battalion Pilot at 42 points. I've flown four of these in a list many times. That's what I took to Gen Con in 2019. Um, This is probably my favorite pilot on this chassis. Yeah, it's funny. Yeah.
0: Lowest in terms of initiative and cost, certainly not in effectiveness, because this is also my favorite. Um, and it's it's funny because it doesn't do anything special. It's just really um, kind of summarizes what makes this ship great, which is that you get a really good value to cost ratio. You know, right now, the one fourths are only 42 points. Which is about where you'd expect like the low end of a generic heavy fighter to be, But you get so much value out of it. You've got two attack arcs, you've got lots of hit points, you've got the medium base, and you've got a red barrel roll action that makes it, you know good for rear arc shots, good for blocking. This thing is just like the peak of value, and there's a reason why it was so prevalent, especially early on for the Republic. Like this was one of the best values you could get in the game, not just the faction.
1: Yeah, and compared to the other pilots too, the only thing it loses out on is the talent slot, which you know most low-end generics don't have anyway. Um, but yeah, just the breadth of options you have, you know, for all those upgraded options that we talked about, you know, crew gunner and astromech. This is a really good candidate for trying out maybe a couple different crew options um, or gunners. My personal loadout when I flew it was one with Commander Cody and three with the Seventh Fleet gunner. Pretty bare bones, not a lot of upgrades, pretty easy to understand. Um, But that list hit pretty hard. So uh, it's also hyperspace legal, which is kind of nice. But the the best Republic options, in my opinion, uh, are unfortunately not hyperspace legal. So...
0: Yeah, and the other generic uh, for the ARC 170 is not that much more expensive, so it's just two more points right now at 44, and the main difference here is you get one initiative, so they're initiative three, and you get the access to the talent slot. Um, Right now, I tend heavily towards the the 104ths, just because there's usually not a lot of use for paying that extra two points. If if we got a real good go-to talent for the Republic, um, I might change my tune there, because it's not much of an investment, but... Right now, I feel like if you're paying for the value um, with the generics, you'll probably want to go the 104th.
1: And if you've got enough points in your list, too, that you want to slot something in, and maybe you're trying to get some support abilities in or something, um, you could throw a talent on this guy, maybe like Intimidation, and then just use him as a dedicated blocker and try to get some better shots with the other ships in your list, but... In general, I think if you look at the two-point difference, one point for a talent slot and one point for an increased initiative is a pretty decent deal.
0: Yeah, I, I guess I agree with you there, John, where if you're doing more of an ARC-170 as a filler ship um, and not flying them in mass, um, it might make a lot more sense to just pay the extra two for one ship. I feel like when you're paying for like three or four of these, it's probably not worth the two on each of them. No, nope, 104th every time if you're
1: taking multiple.
0: Now, of course, we have a selection of uh, clone pilots that vary wildly in their quality uh, from pilot to pilot. So on the low end here, we have, for 48 points, we have Jag with the ability, after a friendly ship at range one to two on your left or right arcs defend, you may acquire a lock on the attacker. Arcs there meaning um, your firing arcs or like the zones on the left and right, not this ship, which is also called an arc, which is not at all confusing.
1: Yeah, I feel like... I personally haven't seen Jag get a lot of play. This is an ability I feel like is supposed to work well with the, um, uh, what's the Republic upgrade? The, like, dedicated console or whatever? LinkedIn yeah, console so it's uh, like synchronized, uh, what's it called? Uh, synchronized console? That's it. Yeah. Yeah, that one. <laughs> that I've never used, so know nothing about. <laughs>
0: it's just not good. I think um, what really kind of sinks things for JAG, pun intended, um, is that you have a ship uh, just up, and up a little bit, um, up quite a bit, I guess, in point cost. Sinker for 54. Uh, while a friendly ship in range one to two of your left or right arcs performs a primary attack, it may reroll one attack die. Um, so if your goal is to get re-rolls here and you're comparing getting a target lock with Jag to getting re-rolls with Sinker, uh, I think Sinker has, is the time-tested solution that does a lot
1: better work. Yeah, we saw a lot of people fly in the Sinker Swarm kind of back in the 2019 Worlds era um, before the pandemic. You know, you'd have a mix of torrents and then maybe some kind of support Jedi or another arc maybe, and then Sinker giving re-rolls to everybody. Um, Sinker is good just for offensive modification in general um Jag is definitely more of a like setup double modded munitions um but for 6 points uh sinker I think is still better um just having rerolls kind of all the time um but yeah seen a lot of play tried and true tested in the heat of battle so um yeah good pilot one of my uh,
0: favorite pilot designs ever, though, we also see in the ARC 170. This is Wolf Pilot, currently for 49 points, um, who's got a really fun built-in mechanic with his pilot ability that encourages a certain playstyle. where if, if you do it right, it just feels like you're the best X-Wing player ever.
1: Yeah, you're right, Tim. I really like the design of this ability, and I wish we saw more that kind of... Interacted with the game this way. So Wolf's ability reads, while you perform a primary forward arc attack, you may spend one charge to roll one attack die. And then there's a second part. While you perform a primary rear arc attack, you may recover one charge to roll one additional attack die.
0: Right, so obviously um, the ideal setup here is that, you know, the first turn you're attacking, you perform that primary attack, get the reroll to get your shot modified extra, and then the following turn you move to a position where you're shooting out the rear arc so you can get the extra attack die, and then uh, rinse and repeat, you know, as many times as you can while he lives. Or if you want to get real wild, because you've got the gunner slot and you throw a veteran tail gunner on there, why not just do it all in one turn? Shoot out the front, get the reroll, then shoot out the rear, and
1: uh, get the extra die. Yeah, you could even throw Lone Wolf on him too if you're looking to fly him away from all your other ships and then he can have multiple rerolls. I mean he's a legendary Aces
0: high ship, I feel like. Oh yeah. Do maximum damage. Um I yeah, I think like the hold up for him is, you know, still a little bit expensive, especially if you start loading him out, because there is a trade off where you hit a point threshold where the value you get from the arcs, um if you put too many upgrades on there and put too much attention on him, um, that's probably a bit much.
1: I think so far though of the pilots I think wolf is kind of the star because we do finally have to talk about oddball at 48 <laughs> points which is such a shame talk about oddball the oddball of the rum I don't know what point value you'd get to that
0: makes oddball effective and I don't know why they insist on putting him in just like every
1: clone ship um, uh, Oddball. Two of I'd That's it. Him at two points. <laughs> uh, you mean two less points or two total points? Two total points. He's got to be cheaper than like the good
0: <laughs> talent slots. Right. That's fair enough. Uh, and even then, I'd be un- un- unhappy about it. Um, Oddball's ability, of course, you've seen it a thousand times. After you fully execute a red maneuver or perform a red action, if there is an enemy ship in your bullseye arc, you may acquire a lock on that ship. John, wouldn't this be good if we're talking about how great the red uh, barrel roll is on the Arc 170? It would be if it wasn't so hard to line up the bullseye with a medium base ship. Yeah, I feel like they could have just done something like if they changed Oddball's ability to the same wording except rather than bullseye, like do something cool, like range one, right? Like I I feel like there's uh, there's a zone there or like inside one
1: of your side arcs or something weird, like really actually make him odd instead of just bad. Well, how does uh how does Anakin's ability work? It's it's range 1 primary or like in bullseye, right? Like why couldn't it have been the same? Yeah, and like that? make
0: him more expensive if he's good, right? You know, like but the fact that he's not good and you're just paying for what an initiative 5 um in a big ship that doesn't care as much about initiative. Um he's just a sad sad character and I don't
1: know what'll make him good. Yeah. I I don't know. It's just like never worth it. I mean, for four less points if you're going for the talent slot just take the squad seven veteran um because i mean you're not taking oddball for the ability so i i don't know i don't like him i think he's too expensive there may be an argument for his counterparts and other ship chassis but i just think the arc 170 oddball is a waste
0: I mean, and he kind of summarizes, too, because he's the inverse of what makes the ARC-170 good. Because if we try to, like, look at what the role this whole ship serves, is generally it's just a very sturdy platform that has a really great uh, cost-to-value ratio, right? Like, for the amount of points you invest, you get so much value that it doesn't need to be, you know, exceptional in, in like, a ship ability or a pilot ability. This ship is just worth the points every
1: time. Right. And, like, if Oddball had an ability that was worth taking him with no upgrades, then cool, maybe I'd be in more. Uh, we've seen that in plenty of other ship types. I mean, we were talking about it last week with the Fang Fighter. Um, ships that you don't need to invest a lot in, and they're really, really good without upgrades. Like, that's where the value is, and Oddball just does not have that going for him. Sure.
0: All right, and of course, we always end uh, these episodes by looking at a couple list-build or just ship-build examples, so if you want to start trying um, some ways to fly an ARC-170 most effective. Um, obviously, this first example you mentioned earlier, John, is uh, you flew this at Gen Con and had
1: a very good experience. I did. I flew, uh, it was four 104th Battalion pilots, so the Initiative 2, one of them had Commander Cody, and then three of them had 7th Fleet Gunner, and this list is still... Um, an option. You could fly this. It comes in at 199 points. However, sadly, uh, it is not hyperspace legal right now as neither Cody nor the 7th Fleet Gunner are hyperspace options. Um, But this list is great because it rolls in and it hits like a truck because you just have your Cody arc shoot first. And what that Cody upgrade does is it really incentivizes your opponent to uh, make an option. You either take damage um, and maybe keep your token for later or you spend your token on defense to not take damage, but then you get a strain, and then these other three just you know blast in with the seventh fleet gunner upgrade and probably delete something off the board in one of the first engagements.
0: Right, seventh fleet gunner is a, a crazy good gunner card, um, and yeah, just being like being able to get the extra attack die because it's only the only requirement is that uh, the defenders in your arc to give your ally a boost. Since they have two arcs, that's actually pretty easy for an arc 170 to do. I'm going to say arc three more times. Uh, one example I uh, whipped up, too, because I'm obsessed with uh, Ahsoka over on uh, the Rebel side right now, but looking at her or um, earlier, younger version over on the Republic side, um, you could do three of the actual 7th Squadron veterans, which you could do generics, but I have a good reason for this here. Um, at Initiative 3, they match up with Ahsoka, who you could load out with R2-D2, Delta-7B, and Patience which is also one of my new favorite upgrade cards. Um, And this is actually an argument I'd have for keeping them at the I3s, even though we talked down um, about the I3s before. Um, Having them all at I3 means you can get a little bit more leverage out of Ahsoka's ability to let a friendly ship at range 0 to 1, take an action with her force, where you could move one of those seven squadron vets, get him a token, and then do something crazy like have him do the red barrel roll with Ahsoka's ability. So um, there's some good options there. Um, And this would just be kind of a toolbox list too, where Ahsoka's ability is great and universal enough
1: that she can use it in so many different ways. And obviously those are both pretty decent examples of a full list where you have multiple arcs. But if you were going for just flying one of them, um, I personally like the wolf build um, with elusive in that talent slot, and then the newer wolf pack upgrade. So he's going to get rerolls on that one green die with elusive, and then he can get that charge back after doing a red maneuver, which the 4K on these arcs, we might not Flex. have touched on it earlier, but it's so good. Yeah. Um, that medium base, you just get so far. Um, and, you know, I got that wolf pack card to dish out some additional strain tokens or getting target locks from friendly ships. Um, this is a pretty decent kind of one arc build here
0: and i think this is a good example of a good way to load out wolf where you don't overinvest in it just get a couple really valuable upgrades uh, and keep it to that all right thank you so much for listening to this episode of radio tcx if you like the show please go into facebook.com slash radio tcx and like our facebook page
1: please consider going on itunes and leaving the show a five-star review saying what you liked and why you think other people should listen
0: And of course, if you want to support the show directly, you can go to patreon.com slash Radio TCX. Again, folks, thank you so much for listening, and we will talk to you next week.